This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Wait a minute. This guy doesn't sound like Paul Gallant. It isn't. It's the garage in for my friend, Paul Gallant, who's got a couple of days off. I think he's down in, uh, if I've been listening correctly, uh, down in Puerto Rico for a friend's wedding. And welcome to his show, the most interactive uh, sports talk show in Seattle, Washington. Nay, the world is the claim. Brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. And it's uh, for me, it's fun to be back. It's the first time I've done a solo show. And, well, actually, now that I think about it, I did one Saturday a Saturday at uh, at 710 for John Clayton about three or four years ago. But before that, it would have been a good 10 or 12 years. And you'll probably find out why before this hour is up. Uh, well, hopefully you won't. We've got a fun show planned, and we're going to stick with Paul's format the way he does things, keeping an eye on things as they are happening. Um, let's see, what did I want? I wanted to do a few things as well. First off, thank uh, the station and everyone for, for having me on the show, uh, reminding uh, everyone that it's uh, National Parkinson's Disease uh, Month, and I'm one who suffers from Parkinson's disease, and doing a special uh, Epic Sports Trivia Night hosted by Bill Rasmussen of ESPN, the founder, and yours truly, coming up on April the 24th. I um, retweeted on uh, my Twitter page, which is at the Graz, all the information you need if you'd like to be a part of that, and we're hoping that you'll take advantage of, of a fun night for everyone, just a uh, light and easy uh, trivia night, and it's, uh, it's the benefit Parkinson's, and this is that month for that, so we appreciate you doing that for us. We're going to have Shannon Dreher join us in the sports pit. It was uh, my mistake yesterday. I announced uh, my, my former partner was going to be there, and I made a mistake. Uh, that did not uh, work out, uh, but we do w- want to mention that Mike's got a book coming out on the 91 Huskies, the 91-92 Huskies. The, for my money, the greatest football team, college football team I ever saw, and it was the year I moved up here and watched them, and uh, Steve Edmonds still the – I still think Steve Edmonds the best college football player I ever saw uh, th- this many years later. So he's writing a book on that, which is really going to be uh, really going to be a good one as well, and, and it's, uh, it'll be fun to, to hang, harken back to those glory days when the Huskies were dominant. So what are we going to talk about today? There's a couple of things that caught my attention in listening to Brock and Bump and Danny and the whole uh, the whole parade of guys earlier, and that was, and uh, forgive me, because I don't have a regular shift, uh, I'm not on regularly, so I don't have a chance to, to go through uh, all the um, ups and downs like everyone else does, and, and I'm probably going to talk about a few things that, that may have may have already been past the uh, past tense and everyone's moved on from, but... I still have a general feeling of unease about where the Seahawks are. I've had that ever since, and probably like everyone else, when, when Russell Wilson had, had the comments that he had at the end of the year, when you saw his body language watching the Super Bowl, and then uh, you know the four teams that he's willing to play for, and then the trade talk, and, and of course uh, on with John Clayton and talking with John about how there's nothing to worry about. That's never going to happen. He's never going to be traded this year. And, and sure enough, I mean, that appears to be the case. It does not look like he's going to be traded this year. That doesn't appear like it's going to happen. But do you feel any better about that now? I mean, I, I know he, he's, he's shown uh, some, some of his um, – his Twitter posts, I think, is what most of them have been, you know, wearing Seahawks stuff and saying he's getting ready and, and you know, being excited when uh, Carlos Dunlop signed and other guys signed. But 
I still have a feeling of unease that this thing is not resolved, is not settled. Um, part of it may be because, you know, it was such a weird off season in that you didn't have you didn't have the combine, so you didn't have uh, Pete Carroll and, and John Schneider talking, and they wisely did not. I mean, a lot of times what we would have done if they had is we would have tried to read between the lines on, on their not talking. They would have tried to gloss over it, and we'd say, well, does that look like they're really glossing over it or are they really upset? You know what we do. You know what that what fun that is, but they haven't said anything about it. Russell Wilson has, has stopped saying the incendiary things, but, I mean, I'm sitting here now on, on April the 14th, lots of time before the season starts, wondering if this is still a deal or not and thinking that it probably is. So it was interesting. Tyler Lockett was on uh, yesterday. I'm not sure. Was he, was, I think that a Zoom call just uh, with, with various media on a lot of things and, yeah, and was asked about Russell Wilson. Okay, and um, – a media availability, and, and asked uh, about uh, his quarterback and his detention all over with. I think at the end of the day, you know, like a lot of that, it's, you know, it's over there on his side. You know, that doesn't really have anything to do with me. And so just throughout all the stuff that was being said, I mean, you just got to learn how to decipher the real from the media, right? So I think a lot of the guys on the inside that work within the Seahawks did a great job being able to, to have those conversations with players and stuff to kind of like let them know what's the difference between what's actually been said and what wasn't said so that as a team, we can stay united and we can be able to continue to be in this thing together. Now, what are they going to tell the players to say? Blame the media. In some way, shape, or form, don't be. Don't, it's, it's, this is not what it was. It's not that big a thing. It's what you do nowadays when when things don't work out the way you want, or when you're not sure that you like how things are perceived. It's easy. It's the media's fault. They they overdid it. This is not that case. You know, you're talking about the comments that that the quarterback himself made, and and to this point, we haven't heard anything about it. Haven't heard him say, you know what, I like what happened in the off season. Uh, I'm excited to have my my third offensive coordinator in what five years. I like the big tight end that I've got. I'm, I'm happy. I think they've done what they needed to do. I haven't heard that. Have you heard that yet? So I'm still, I'm still not, uh, I'm, I'm not feeling good about it. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not feeling good about it, and there's plenty of time to feel good about it, but that's where I'm at today. Uh, owner number two, uh, the, the, the uh, take two, is there any like wild sound effect for this or anything more, or do I just say take two? <laughs> nope, you got it. Just- just say it. I got it. Just, just, just roll on with take two. <laughs> just say it with conviction. The owner, <laughs> uh, Glenn Taylor is going to sell the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, Alex Rodriguez was mentioned as an owner. For some reason, I have no idea how or why this would have started. It was like, well, maybe you'll want to move him back to Seattle to repair his image in Seattle, which is hilariously funny in, in the first place. But um, it did bring up a larger issue for me. Um. I look t- two things here. One, I-, I freely admit this, and I've admitted this to everyone who's talked to me or listens to me. I am bitter about how the Sonics left. It was 12 years ago, and I still am as bitter. Uh, I- I- I've taken it out on the NBA, uh, you know, and I-, 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 I lucked out kind of when the Sonics left was the year I kind of hooked up with Seattle U and and was doing their games and, and was involved in that. So I understand I wasn't NBA basketball, but I, I had my basketball Jones taken care of. I stopped paying attention to the NBA, and I don't pay a lot of attention to it anymore. I'm not a big fan about the game anymore. But uh, a lot of fans in Seattle, and I understand, people want, want a team back. 
on an expansion team back. I did my little uh, uh, little uh, piece, that the one-minute piece I do during the week um, with Graz's big head, just a minute, about not wanting to po- – you know, Seattle is the one, the one place, the one West Coast place that has never poached someone else's team. Mariners started here. Seahawks started here. Sounders started here twice, you know, for that matter. Sonics, when, when they came, started here. We've lost two teams. The Pilots became the Brewers. And, of course, the Sonics went to Oklahoma City. But I don't want to poach someone else's team. I don't. So uh, I, I think uh, Glenn Taylor was talking about the fact that, that um, if Seattle's going to get a team, it's going to be an expansion team. And here's what that sounded like. The real agreement is with the NBA. So the NBA uh, will make the decision if somebody's going to move or not move. The NBA will not approve of the Timberwolves moving from here to Seattle. It's in the NBA's interest that in Seattle that a new team is formed. It's an economic decision that's in the interest of all of the owners. The, uh, the last sentence was the truth. Economic interest of all of the owners. That's all that this is about. It's a $2.5 billion fee for an expansion fee. I mean, for me, that's I'm, I'm out. I don't need the NBA back. They should be begging me to come back to Seattle. I'm not $2.5 billion. Are you crazy? That's the cost of doing business now. And the NBA is not going to move any team that has that uh, held up their taxpayers to build an arena. That, that We found that out crystal clear in Sacramento. When Kevin Johnson went to David Stern and said, what do I have to do to keep the team? He said, get the city to build you a new arena, and we won't let them move. He got the city to build them a new arena, and despite the fact that Chris Hansen and Steve Ballmer went, went way, way over what anyone else was offering, they didn't move. So they're not going to move any team that has spent public funds to build an arena. Not going to happen. So, you know, I, I just I see the $2.5 billion for the expansion fee. You know, I, I hear that Seattle being dangled as, as, as its bait, and, and I just don't like it because I don't like how the NBA left. I still don't like how the NBA left. And all right, that, that does it for the, uh, the, the question of the day. We can talk about that, too. I'm curious, uh, two things. What you feel about Russell Wilson, is the tension for you over? Is it still there? Is, is, are we making too much of it? Is, is, you know, I mean, what do, you, what, what do you think on that? And where are you about? I mean, would you be fine with, with moving? I mean, you know, move the Timberwolves here, call them the Sonics? And say that they have the Sonics history. I mean, I'm sorry, I can't do that. When I know that the Sonics are actually in Oklahoma City, I'm going to have a hard enough time doing that with an expansion team if they're going to call them the Sonics. Because they're really not. Because the Sonics are in Oklahoma City. Now, I know they did it in Cleveland. And and Cleveland, the Browns moved on to Baltimore. And they immediately got themselves a franchise back. And they were the Browns. They only had to go without them for two or three years. But uh, I'd have a hard enough time doing it with, uh, with an expansion team. I could not see... Uh, Minnesota's Timberwolves coming here, and we call them the Sonics, and their history is the Sonics. All right, time for What's Trending, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air. Laura, what do you have? Hey, Gross. Hi the, there. The text line is lighting How, up How's it going so far, by the way? It's, it's going great. Well, the text pray, line, pray. I'm looking, it says, more Gross, please. Good to hear the Gross father. Love hearing your insights, Gross. It's always a treat when you pop up, so you're getting rave reviews so far. Very nice to hear. <laughs> All right. First up, we have the Mariners 
almost came so close to sweeping their doubleheader yesterday. They could not pull off the win in the second game, but in the first game, Kyle Seeger came through as he has a lot lately in the clutch with this RBI double in the top of the eighth. Hit hard, center field and deep. Giving her chases, Mullins running out of room. It goes off the face of the fence. Hanniger rounding third. He's going to score easily. And Kyle Seeger clutches. Big time for the Mariners here. They have a 4-3 lead here in the eighth inning. On a 1-1 pitch, he hit it off the center field wall. That was a blast. He missed the home run by about three feet. Kyle, Kyle Seeger is uh, fitting very nicely into this uh, elder statesman role, isn't he? Yes, I think so. He's, he's just, this is really working for him uh, so far. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking with Shannon Dreyer about where the Mariners are right now. Um, you know, it, it's nice to see Seeger for sure. It's nice to see some of the young bats hitting, although, I mean, the Mariners are are 2020 baseball defined. I mean, they strike out all the time. Strike out or home runs, but um, we'll see if that becomes an issue. I, I still think the obvious concern is the depth in the pitching staff, which just does not seem to be there at this point. And um, you know, I, I'm, Marco Gonzalez is a good enough pitcher that I think you just look at what he's doing and saying, "Well, he's off to a slow start. One or two more bad starts, you're, you're saying, well, maybe there's something wrong with him.'" And uh, two or three bad starts after that, you panic. So, I mean, a guy like that who has shown that he has major league stuff, has done it on the major league level, you're not worried about a couple of bad starts to start the year. When it becomes four, six, eight bad starts to start the year, then you are worried. Kikuchi looks uh, looks fine to me. I mean, he, he really does. And Sheffield was, uh, was, was very, very good yesterday. So even with the just unbelievably Mariner-esque, disastrous bad news about James Paxton. I mean, just incredible that that, that would happen. That he, throw, he throws uh, 30 pitches or so and the season is done. They've still shown they've got some arms that are looking pretty good there. So, um, it, it, t- 10 games in, it, it's hard to draw conclusions, but they're going to need to pitch a little bit more consistently, a little bit better. And they're going to need to hit a little bit more consistently as well, but uh, I, I I like a couple of things. I mean, you know, you've I, the joke is always sixty games you win every year, sixty games you lose every year. Your season is kind of decided in that middle forty-two. Well, the Mariners have already won two that they were supposed to lose when they were down. What was it six nothing to San Francisco and six nothing this past weekend? Uh, those were games that you lose that they won. So they've shown an ability to come from behind. Seager's looking like a a, a nice guy in, in a good spot for them. So there's some positives. For sure, after this first week and a half of the season. All right, next up, the Seahawks were one of three teams with the, uh, along with the Broncos and the Bucks yesterday, to announce that they were skipping voluntary OTAs at least in person. They're willing to do virtual work. Um, now, a couple more teams have been added today: the Lions and the Patriots. How do you feel about all this, Graz? I have something in common with the Seahawks because I'm skipping voluntary OTAs as well. Um, <laughs> I know you you love OTAs and training camp so much. Oh yes, everyone who's listened to me over the years knows that I I love the I, the NFL offseason becoming as popular as it is is just a a constant source of amazement to me. But but it is, <laughs> and and everyone's into it. And I think it's um, let's think about last year. I mean, last year was was such a bizarre year. Obviously, you didn't have any OTAs. You didn't have any of that stuff. You had uh, really limited training camps, limited hitting, 
a lot of stuff, uh, you know, on, on, on uh, Zoom and things like that. You know, the expectation was the play in the league. I think most people thought, and I was one of them, well, it's going to be ragged. I mean, these guys need all this practice. It's going to be ragged. Now, I, for one, have been arguing against having preseason football for years. I think it's, it's besides it being a ripoff for the fans, they charge it the same they charge it for a regular ticket. It's unnecessary. All you do is look at college football. You don't need four pre- practice games to play in NFL football. I don't think you need any. That's a, that's a comment for another day. But they didn't have any last year. So it was kind of the, the, the test that they didn't count on. So not only did they not have any, any exhibition games, but no OTAs, very limited practice. Everything that, that, that we've heard is vitally important for an NFL team to be successful didn't happen last year. And what did the league look like to you? To me, it looked like football. It looked just like NFL football, for that matter. I didn't see it looking any worse. I didn't see it looking any more ragged. I I, that, I turned on my television on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. When, when is the NFL not on? And I saw football games being played. So I think there'll be some stuff made about it. I don't think that that's necessarily going to be a big deal at all. I just don't think that it, that it will be a big deal at all. I'm not surprised that, that they've done this because I think there is still, and, and I think you heard Brock and, and uh, Brock and Danny talking about it there in, in their last segment. Um, there's still some things to be ironed out with the Players Association and, uh, and uh, the owners. So this is the 17th game being one of them, which they've put in there. So not surprising that it's going to be that way. And uh, there are some teams that will do it. And what will be interesting to see is if they have any competitive advantage. Uh, in my opinion, I don't think they will. All right. So that's this is this is a fun show. So that's what that's what's <laughs> trending. That's and, it. Uh, it. And it, we actually got the two topics that were trending too. I get so I look at the text the text <laughs> right now, right? Encourage people to call if they want at two zero six four two one three seven seven six. Don't mind me. I'm just finding my way here with Mora. Um, let's see, Graz. I think Russ is going to be the traded next year. Leaves when his contract is up. That may be so, but let's talk about next year. I mean, what, what, what is this year? What does this year look like now? What does it look like when 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 he has his first bad game? What's fans' reaction going to be? Um, what what is his reaction going to be? Well, I told you I needed better protection. They didn't get it for me. I mean, it's just there. To me, you've got a guy in Russell Wilson, and I'm not. I'm not casting blame here because that's not. It's not necessary to do, and you're not blaming anything. But but what Russell Wilson has done here has changed his image. He has changed his image amongst other people, amongst other 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 fans, maybe with his teammates. I don't know, but that's something that he did. I mean, this is not something that the media did because you know I, I'm going to deal with this other question, which is the media. The whole Russell thing has been overblown by the board media, and we are bored. You're right about that. But I think when you've got a guy in Russell Wilson who, after eight years of being remorselessly, remorselessly positive, just the, the this, everything, is, everything is beautiful in its own way. I mean, is, is dance going around all the time? It's, it's go Hawks. It's, it's, it's great. It's a, everything's a great challenge. Everything's fantastic. Everything's good. Everything's great. To go from that guy to a guy who, who on the interview with Dan Patrick talks about not having protection and I've had enough of this and I, you know that I, I mean come on that is that is a 180 that uh, that is the biggest I'm trying to think of, of another one that happened 
in Seattle sports that, that was that dramatic. There have been dramatic announcements, but, but where a guy was one guy for seven or eight years, and this is, you know, good, you know, let's go all rah-rah, Russell Wilson, everything is positive, to a guy who doesn't all of a sudden is not that, I mean that's there's I can't think of a I can't think of a bigger change, I can't think of a bigger change. So, it's it's been overblown. I'm not going to argue that point from from the texter. It's been overblown by a board media, but it is pretty surprising. You've got to admit if this if this had been someone who I mean like let's go back in the day and and I know Richard Sherman's name had popped up earlier in this in in the off season, but if this was a Richard Sherman popping off. Or if this was Earl Thomas in his day when he was here, that that was something that you that that you take with a grain of salt because it's how those guys were, it's how those guys talked, it's 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 those guys always had, always had those 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 things going on. So, I just think that Russell Wilson changed the dialogue dramatically himself, and I don't know if he puts the genie back in the bottle by uh, or anyone does by just saying the media. Media overblew this thing because, you know, we, we do do that, but not this case. Agree with Graz, two wrongs, poaching teams doesn't make it right. Yeah, I don't know it's, if it's so much about right or wrong. It's just, I mean, I don't want to steal another town's team. It, it's I, How lousy does it feel for those who remember the Sonics and remember those glory days? Does it feel to not have them around? Do you really want to have another, you want to, want to be, the, be the cause of that feeling to another city? And I understand the Sonics are unique. The Sonics, you know, this is a point I brought up a lot of times about it, why I think there's such a reservoir for some, like me, of, of this bitterness. You know, the Sonics were, were in Seattle basically as long as the Dodgers were playing in Brooklyn. We're talking 40 years. Uh, championship winners, one championship winner, ironically, like the Brooklyn Dodgers. They won one championship. But, uh, you know, this was a team that had been here for, for two generations and, and, and left w- w- in the worst possible circumstances, was stolen by, by, by an owner who lied the minute he got here. You know, we went, we're pushed through the ringer on it. So, um, you know, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm not excited about the NBA at this point. I'm, I'm going to be very curious to see, you know, kind of a debut the Kraken have. And how much people will will or won't be into having having winter? It'll be winter sports number one, and if the NHL does it right, which they did it with with Las Vegas, and makes it possible for guys to win. And Las Vegas, I mean, I don't know if they'll go that far. Where Las Vegas went all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals their first year, but you know, I think they learned that you know what we've been stupid, and everyone else has been too. Expansion teams should be successful to take advantage of excited fan bases. When you think about that, doesn't doesn't it, doesn't it seem stupid the way they've done it in the past? You've got a brand new fan base you're bringing in. You're trying to get them excited. How do you do that? Well, you have them be good. You have them be good. Oh, we'll go to a break. One one more here. Graz is a longtime listener. It's great to hear your take on the Russell Wilson situation. I'm with you. I'm not comfortable with it yet. It's like we got hit with a brick upside the head, and now they want us to forget about it. Well, we're not going to forget about it. We're not. All right. That's that's segment one. Of, uh, are we done with this one, Maura? We, we are. We finished that segment. We, we put it aside, and, and we get ready for the sports pit. And Shannon Dreyer is going to join us next. It's 1030, and that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness, you're going to get your, you're going to, you're going to fail. With Paul Gallant. 
where I find myself usually Tuesdays and Thursdays, but filling in for Paul today. It's the Graz, and it's a pleasure for me to bring in uh, my longtime friend who covers the Mariners for my Northwest, Shannon Dreyer, who is in the sports pit with us today. Hello, Shannon. Hey, Graz. Great to be talking to you. Good to be talking to you too, and um, let's let's dive right in. Uh, what what have you what what is what are the things that have stood out to you, good and bad? Uh, first, uh, what do we play? Nine games, or are we at ten games? Uh, we're at, uh, at six and five, eleven, I believe, right now. Eleven games, eleven games. What what has jumped out at you? Well, exactly that, good and bad, and it's a little bit different yeah. when it's in a one hundred and sixty-two game season than it is with a 60-game season, and I kind of find myself having to keep telling myself that. It's I think that there have been days, and it's been kind of roller coaster. It has been win one day, lose the next day, win ugly, lose ugly, have a nice win every now and then, and the ball game breaks out. And I have to really remember that uh, you know you do have the full length of season, that you do have a lot of young players on this team, that this team should look different as it gets going, both in personnel and in play, and uh, that there is is time to figure things out here. So I've you know have seen some games and just shook my head and said, oh my gosh, what is this? And then realized, well, it's the first week of the season with young players. That's what it is. But I think one of the biggest things, two of the biggest things that have jumped out at me, and I think we saw them play out yesterday, is early on at least, and by early on I could say the first few months, this team will go as the pitching and the defense goes. You can see what a difference, if you see a mistake, what that does to a ball game. And when you have a young team that is fighting for wins, you cannot give away those wins. And we saw that with some errors here and there. And the other thing that's really, really jumped out at me is just the importance of the veterans in this group. And they are carrying things at times. What Kyle Seeger and what Mitch Haniger are doing right now, they're carrying in large part uh, this team. And they're stepping up in the big situations, and they're also showing the consistency. Mitch is, uh, he's, he's reached base safely in all 11 games and has hit safely in 10 of 11 games. And, and that's remarkable in what he's coming off of. But you know, for all those that think that, oh, you can just bring up a young team and, and they're all going to just shine and together as they all grow together, there is an important role that these vets play and uh, you know particularly in minnesota when kyle seager had uh, the two home run game and you know this wasn't comeback kids this was the vets came through and at some point you hand it off to the kids but right now you know those older players those more experienced players so important to this team and i know we're all watching from afar but boy the the uh the role of of elder statesman for lack of a better word sure seems to fit kyle seager it really does, and that's a little bit of a newer thing. Um, Kyle, for a long time, was the younger player on this team, and he was content with that. You know, I'll never forget when they got Robinson Cano, and that was a player that Kyle looked up to. And he was a fairly established player when he came on board, but you would see Kyle on Sunday morning sitting at Cano's locker on the floor, Cano in his chair, and Kyle just listening to everything that Cano was saying, and now Kyle is that guy. And I think that he, and I could be completely wrong about this, he, he's, I think most players would prefer to lead by example. It takes extra to get out there and actually say some things. Well, he's taken that extra step. He's saying things. And uh, you, you hear from a man, the younger players, just how important he has been in, in their development and helping out. And it, it's been a great thing to see. And add to that, he's he's hitting. He's you know, got some of the hardest, uh, highest hard hit rates right now in baseball and we were telling people not to freak out when he wasn't getting the hits because of the way he was hitting the baseball they were going to fall Mm -hmm. and now we're seeing that and you know if if this week has been any indication he is poised to have a heck of a season 
You know, you, you, you said at the start, pitching and defense are going to determine how far the team goes. And uh, just an, I don't know what else to call it, but just an unfair blow was what happened to James Paxton. Mm-hmm. Just an unbelievable piece of, of bad luck, the kind of stuff that seems to happen a lot uh, to the Mariners. Uh, he never he never really got a chance at all to, to do anything. Uh, and um, I think it, it was, there was he seemed to be excited to be back, you know, certainly watching in the spring. And, and this looked like this was going to be a, a very good situation. And to just see it blow up like that is just a shame. It hurts on so many different levels. Obviously, you know, what they now, the big hole that they have to fill on the field, it was almost like he was bonus. You know, they picked him up so late, and you're like, whoa, you just added James Paxton to this rotation? Are you kidding? If he's healthy, he's got the potential of being one of the top pitchers in baseball. But you also look at, you know, we know this guy. It's not like Drew Smiley when he came over years ago in kind of a similar situation. You didn't know Drew Smiley. He didn't grow up in front of you. you. You didn't know what his personality, what his character was. And we know that James Paxson has been a part of this community uh, for a long time and really worked his way into, I think you don't need to look any further than the Maple Grove to realize that this was a beloved Mariner in, in, in what you were seeing out there and, and knowing how solid he is and how hard he has worked and how, you know, the injuries for him have been, I would say just as, but that's not true. They, they no doubt are more frustrating for him. And, and what's particularly hard about this is this is we don't know exactly what it is. I think we have a good idea of what it is, but it is the most severe injury that he has had. And and to this date, he has largely been able to keep the arm, the shoulder healthy. And, and when you're a pitcher, that's the most important thing. You know, you can live through an oblique. You can live through a back. You can live through a knee, uh, forearm strain that keeps you out for a little while. But when you're talking about actually cutting on the arm or the shoulder, that's a different story. So that's very, very tough. And you just wish him the best and hope that he is able to come back and one day have one of those seasons. Uh, not panicking about Marco Gonzalez because of what he's been and, and what he's already shown he can be. And again, viewing it from afar, is uh, is there anything that, that anyone has noticed in, in him in particular, or is it just a couple of bad outings in your mind? Yeah, he just hasn't been as sharp um, with location as he has been. And, and that is his game. And that is how he found his success last year. You know, he cannot be walking guys and he's got to be throwing good strikes. You know, a strike in the middle of the plate is a strike, but that's not a good strike. He's got to be able to hit his spots. And he hasn't been able to early on. And he hasn't been able to do so with a fastball, so he can't really get to the cutter. And so he's had to rely on everything else. And that kind of gets into kind of a a tough circle to be caught in. So I I think it all starts for him on on being able to pinpoint the fastball. And that's been an area of emphasis, uh, obviously, since his last start and always is. But now it's had to take a little bit of a a special look at because, you know, that is what everything is based off. He, He has to have that precision hasn't had it and I think that you know, there's a good chance it's just it's a slow start it's coming out of spring training it hasn't kicked in yet but mm-hmm. uh, in talking to people around the Mariners there's not a huge concern about it that once he gets that location again he, he should be okay but uh, what we saw in the first two outings very very different from what we saw last year it looks like it's going to be one of those years again for the bullpen it's impossible to predict, it seems to me, how bullpens are going to do. Uh, and, um, you know, you hope for the best sometimes, especially when you're, you're kind of putting it together the way the Mariners are. There there have been some encouraging signs, but uh, also it looks like the, that, that's going to be an area of, of constant tinkering this year. How about that? Well, do you want me to tell you a few things that might make you feel a little bit better? Yeah. <laughs> you know I you're, do. You're st- <laughs> 
you're starting at a point where you have much more established arms, and you can look at uh, you can look at Montero, and I know people look at the blown saves, and some of that uh, I'm running an insider right now trying to explain that when you live by the shift, you die by the shift, and that, that played a big part in what happened yesterday, and that's something that you have to run 100% of the time, and uh, sometimes you get bit by that, and, and he did. Of course, he gave up the double. You can't do that, but, you know, he, he's been solid. He's got good stuff, and he he does have a bit of a track record. Uh, you look at Middleton, who's coming back from an injury in large part, and I think as he gets more comfortable, that is going to be something more established than they've seen before. Anthony Masevich, when you get him back, uh, it was just two months last year, but that is something that is more established. I don't think you are going to be in a situation where, let's take a shot on this guy every time somebody pops on uh, on the radar or on the waiver wire. I don't think that so much is, is um, what they are looking at right now. I think they have guys that they can grow with. Really interested to see what Eric Swanson has. He really went to work on a number of things, came in and pitched the two scoreless yesterday, and that was you know, a big departure what we had seen from him. But I think the most interesting arm in that pin is Kendall Graveman, and he is still in the process of converting from starter to reliever. But when you see that uh, he, he can absolutely fire that 97 and 99 mile an hour sinker and the slider is so improved and that he does have other pitches as a starter if he needs to rely on them, although nine times out of ten I don't think he will need to, I think that he, as, he, as he gets more comfortable in his role, and it was interesting, I was talking with Pete Woodworth, pitching coach, uh, recently, and this is something that I would never thought of. But, you know, Kendall Graveman as a starter, he was a sinker baller. He had a very good sinker ball, but it, the mentality of that was put the ball in play. Now they're telling him, strike the guy out, put the ball past that guy. You've got that stuff in one inning. You've got the slider now. And that's an adjustment. That's something that he has really, that's never been his approach. And I think as he gets more into it, you could be looking at, you know, one of the better relievers in the league, the stuff that we have seen is electric. So I, I think that ultimately, I think this bullpen in it already, if you look at the numbers, whereas last year uh, they finished bottom five to dead last in most categories, statistically right now they're kind of middle of the pack so we are seeing better and you hope that they you know progress from that rather than fall backwards and ultimately when this thing is time to go you're going to put a lot more into that bullpen so you don't have to worry about it as much but this year uh, i think you know from what we saw last year you're, you're starting the bar is set very low they are head and shoulders above that Shannon Dreher, insider from my Northwest covering the Seattle Mariners Shannon as always it's a pleasure to talk with you thanks so much for joining me in the pit Oh, anytime, Graz. All right, uh, and and it's going to be interesting looking looking ahead uh, after this Orioles series. Uh, the Mariners uh, have three with the Astros, uh, two game series with the Dodgers, three game series with the Red Sox, or make it a four game series with the Red Sox, and another three game series with the Astros right after that. So, wow, <laughs> the schedule is going to get very very difficult and challenging uh, for the rest of this month. Final segment. Wow, this hour goes fast. 206-421-3776 or, or pop us on the text line at 710, 710 here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle. It's crowds in for the vacationing Paul Gallant. Mariners baseball coming up later on today. 405, Justin Dunn getting the start against Matt Harvey. He was going to be something special once upon a time as a Met. And then Marco Gonzalez will pitch uh, tomorrow in the uh, season 
or the series ender, I should say, and then, like I mentioned, the Mariners go off on a very difficult, difficult stretch of games to end April with the Dodgers and the Red Sox and the Astros uh, all playing. Let's see, a couple other news and news items to, to hit on. Jadavian Clowney, remember him? He had, he had glory days here. Uh, he had one glory day in particular. He's a Cleveland Brown now. And Alden Smith, this is a guy the Seahawks have been interested in for a while. Alden Smith, is uh, uh, the reports are, is visiting with the Seahawks today, and, and he may be another guy that they add to that uh, defensive line. It wouldn't, wouldn't be a surprise. Like I said, he has been a guy that they have been interested in for a long time, and uh, at least two years. And part of it was the great game he had against them, I, I would imagine. So we'll see uh, if, what, if that happens and on that front uh, what goes on. Um, looking at some more of your text here. Uh, as we wrap things up uh, on the show and get ready, get ready for Jake and Stacy, we talked about you know our two big points today were were about stealing other teams, other cities' teams. Not for me, but I mean, if is it for you? Doesn't matter. It's just what you got to do. And uh, is the Russell Wilson story, as one texture put it, being overblown by the board media or not? And I saw that they were talking with my pal Michael Silver about it today on on NFL Live. So it's still a national story. And um, let's see what we got here. It's going to look like this every year. Russell will hold the ball too long. The offensive line will look worse than it really is. Just this year, everyone will see it finally. So we'll see if that, that comes to pass. M's seem to treat their pitching staff like the Hawks treat their offensive line. They shop at the bargain table, hoping to win the lottery and remedy this problem. Um, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. Um, look, I think the way to, to, to get good Obviously, is pitching and, and is look. It's to grow your own. I mean, I'm a firm believer in this, and and I, I differ with a lot of other people, you know, who follow baseball in this. I, I would be spending a majority of my draft picks on pitchers, a majority of them. I, I would be looking to load up every single year. They're the most valuable commodity in any kind of trade situation you can have. If you if you if you got top pitching prospects that you can spare, you can trade for anything else you want. And uh, you also need them to, to kind of go through the attrition that you go through. So I'm a big believer in loading up on, on, on young arms and, and doing it that way, with the Marin- which the Mariners are doing. I don't know if they're necessarily shopping at the bargain table. I did think that this might have been a nice year to bring in someone, you know, with, with, with a little more heft. Uh, Trevor Bauer was a name that was mentioned at a big price tag. But uh, I, can, I don't blame them for not doing it. If, they, if you can grow your own pitching staff, it's still the, very much the best way to go. And if you're going to try and do that, You've got to, you've got to take a lot of swings at it. You got to take a lot of bites from the apple. So, yeah, we'll we'll see, we'll see. I mean, the Mariners pitching this year, though, uh, you know, and Shannon tried to try to give us a little bit of a positive feeling there. Uh, I'll wait and see about that bullpen, though. This hour is going by way too fast, Cross. There's something about hanging out with you on the radio that makes me feel all is right with the world. Well, that's a nice thing to say. What makes an NBA team an NBA team? It's the city they're in. The Thunder are in no way the Sonics. What makes them the Sonics still? I think when you're looking at it from, from the Seattle standpoint, it's because that's where the team went. That, that, the, in Oklahoma City, of course, they've only been the Thunder. I understand that. But I'm talking about being here in Seattle. Look, if a team went back to Brooklyn, a, a Major League Baseball team went back to Brooklyn, they probably would be, would be angling for the Dodgers. But the Dodgers' history of, of, of 40, 50 years that they had there already belongs to L.A. 
Now, in that case, is a little bit different in that they kept the name and the Thunder didn't. So I, I understand that point. Um, I just think that it, it like I, I didn't say I was logical on my point. I just said that it rubbed me the wrong way. Um, what makes them the Sonics to me is because that's who they were, and then they moved, and and now, uh, you know, we root against them. Danny Danny O'Neill's made a cottage industry about rooting against them. Why not Oklahoma City? I'm talking about. And you just feel better when they're losing. Well, why do you feel better if, if, if you don't think of them as the Sonics anymore? Why do they make any difference to you at all if they don't think about, about them as the Sonics anymore? Because you kind of do, in the back of your mind, think of them about the Sonics still. Think of them as the Sonics still. So, you know, th- th- we'll, we'll see about that. Look, I think the NBA would be absolutely out of their minds not to put a team in Seattle. As long as Seattle's got someone to, to foot the $2.5 billion dollars for an expansion team, you know, uh, you know, you, you talk about who might want to be an owner, and look who the, I mean, the, the Amazon Corporation bought the naming rights for the team. Uh, they've got an owner who's got a couple of dollars, doesn't he? He's not doing, he's not, he's not doing too badly these days. I mean, there's someone who could afford that money, but I mean, a 2.5 billion dollar expansion fee. Oh man, for, to 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 right a wrong. I understand it's you know I'm, I'm preaching and, and being ridiculous here, but it just it just struck me as struck me and will continue to strike me the wrong way, the wrong way. Well, this was fun, Maura. This was a lot of fun, and it went went way way too fast. Uh, yes, Paul is Paul is Paul's not going to Puerto Rico for a friend's wedding and coming back tomorrow. We'll have we'll have bumping tomorrow, right? Yes. <laughs> He'll be gone, yeah. uh, I think, almost a week. Almost a week. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm back up for Jake and Stacy tomorrow, because the Mariner game is. Uh, there was some threat of rain in the air, so if it rains, I'll be back tomorrow. If it doesn't, I won't. But Jake and Stacy, they're standing by right now, and they're next. Thanks, everyone. Seven ten, ESPN, Seattle.